There is nothing new to the war that rages within. To many, life is a consistent set of battles we find in the world, of which we often find ourselves battered and bruised. We push out as hard as we can, with tremendous fervor and force, thinking, wishing, and hoping that with enough motion, we will drive away all our demons. But what many of us often fail to realize until it's too late is that our ability to move forward comes from not taking a step back, but instead taking a step within. Deep down in the bowels of our fears, locked away in a cemetery of dead dreams and the ghosts of our fallen will, there within these effigies of what we were meant to be is where the digging begins, where your warrior spirit is ignited. Not with the heat of the sun, but with the, the fires of your soul that have always been. That have always been. MDLP. This guy should write a book. I'm fucking after it. Episode 29. What's going on, guys? This is MDLP. This is a Battle Axe podcast. Fired up today. I really am. Happy to be here with my co-host, Handsome Baron of the North, Johnny Banks. Oh, what's up, everyone? Thank you again. For joining us on episode 29. Man, we're going to that big 3-0, man. I know. We got to celebrate. You know I can't even remember being 30. Yeah, that, that was like, doesn't matter. <laughs> Weird years. Like seven years ago. Okay. <laughs> um, actually, guys, to, um, I know we always say this. Because um, we're right. But I'm fucking ready for this 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 episode. I want to start the year off firing. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, I just we just came with a great energy, and I hope you guys feel it throughout, as we always do. Um, I'm actually pretty pumped. But, of course, we always want to start every episode giving thanks and never forgetting where we came from. Those of us supported uh, within the podcast, from without the podcast, in the sense of externally always reposting and getting after it. To our family in the BV305, always much love to you guys. Med CBD, who has been taking care of us, and we're actually coming out with a CBD battle axe exclusive CBD product, which is cool. I'll tell mm-hmm. you about that, Johnny Cerberus USA. Again, Ken and you guys have been phenomenal, always taking care of the athletes um, and looking out for us. So thank you very much. And of course to the battle axe clan, you guys are family and much more than anything else. Um, a true and deep. Thank you for constant uh, support. Um, and we would not be here. And I mean, we would not be here without you guys constantly pushing us and giving us hope. So, this episode, um, I'll tell you, John, I, I wanted this episode because I've had a series of deep conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean deep, like the, the ones that are, you can, emotional to say the least, but when you recognize the crossroads in somebody's eyes is a burden and a gift. We've talked about it in previous episodes um it just darkness recognizes darkness you know sadness recognizes sadness you just know you know us sad souls just recognizes within another person Mm -hmm. and i've had i'm not lying within the last four weeks about five to six sit downs with close friends family members lifters where i had to do one of those what's wrong with like what's wrong (laughs) Like, this is not about the deadlift. Yeah. Or yeah. this isn't about your brother, or this isn't about your job. Like, there is something in your eyes that are telling me something. And I was just moved in the sense of, I think it's time to kind of talk about this because it all happens 
to have, and it all comes down to the idea of having a relationship with ourselves. And the deep, the rooted cause of each one of these conversations was a misrepresentation or misinterpretation or a distant relationship within ourselves, trying to take on new things with the same old attitude to ourselves. And I was just, it, it's like a perfect storm because of course we're starting with, I'm starting with bodybuilding. I haven't taken a step away from strongman. I'm using bodybuilding to be a better strongman. There's a mm-hmm. difference. We'll talk about that later. I know it, <laughs> but a relationship with ourselves and how to dig within to take on new things. We take on new responsibilities, new relationships, new res- new family responsibilities, monetary stuff, all these new things that are going to demand a new and better us. But we're holding on to old things, old ghosts. We just don't want to let go. Like our body becomes a vessel, like a haunted house. And we just hold on to old memories. And man, they run through our hallways humming. And you can't let these things go. And you can see it in their fucking eyes, John. I'm like... It's easy for me to tell you, let it go, but you can't because you're feeling like you're going to let that memory go. And there's a double-edged sword to that lifestyle because you can't let certain ghosts rest. You'll never see life again. Oh, man. And I just, it hit me and I'm like, whoa, this coincides with what's going on in my life personally, but also what I've seen other people deal with as well from a personal you know, spiritual or whatever conscious level to training. Mm-hmm. And I, like we always say, they always coincide. Training just to me symbolizes life and fuck. <laughs> when you're like, Hey, are you free that weekend? I'm like, fuck. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was supposed to compete this weekend, um, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, like I said, and uh, I was going to do a Highland game. So good luck today to Nick, Jules and Bill, who are all, and Fernando, who are all representing the Battle Axe Gym. So, hell yeah. I hope you guys do well. Hell yeah. Um, but I wasn't training for it. I wasn't taking it seriously. And I kind of just. Well, I love that because I think that that is a big part of um, what you're saying here. You know, I think, you know, if people have been following you truly or that, you know, who are around you like we are, you'll notice that you, you, how much you've grown. Um, and I don't think you would have stepped back from competing in a few years ago. That's a dead arm. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how you came to understand the need to step back from these things. So that's a great question. And it's going to bring me into the statement I made at the beginning, I suppose, with the words we started. Five years ago, three, four years ago, maybe even a month ago, I would have said taking a step back. Take a step back. It's because that's that's just a cue. Yeah. I think what I want to say going forward is take a step within. And here's why. When I say take a step back or anyone takes a step, say to take a step back in general, it's almost like you become instantly defensive. Yeah. You can't help it. I mean, if somebody says, yo, take a step back, whether they say, hey, take a step back or they're aggressive, you're like, don't tell me what to do. And when I speak to myself, and this is, uh, you know, I'm giving you guys how I live my life. It's very transparent, how I treat other people, how I talk to myself, especially. Mm-hmm. I said to myself going to this competition, and I said, Mike, let's give this a thought. You haven't trained for this properly. Could you go there and do well? Yes. Would you be satisfied? 
No. Will you win? Maybe. But will you have a victory? No. And there's a difference. Just like there's a difference between losing and failure. This is just a personal thing. Winning, okay, I beat the other person. Victory is forever. Victory is within. I come out victorious. The word victory. Victoria to me is very impersonal. It's a very important word. Hasta mm. la victoria. Like it's a it's a word that I like. And I also love the, the 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 name. Victory means I went out there and I earned my win. I left it out there and I, I did everything I could. And I feel good. I earned that win. Not just I muscled my way through an event. Yeah. You know, and I don't want that. Or I'm I mean, fortunate enough to be so far along as an correct. athlete. Yeah. And and there's out there like I'm not saying I was gonna win. There's guys out there that can just slap me up but i do well sure. and i took a step within i analyzed it I'm like do you really want to compete no i actually don't really because it's not doing it the way that i think is right i'm not respecting the sport i haven't been throwing i'm not uh respecting myself meaning i'm not giving it time i i, I show myself I, even though you know i see it as a fun thing i mean i have fun when i take competition seriously that's yeah. fun for me um and i think a lot of people need to kind of see it that way not necessarily taking a step back because consciously you're like oh man i'm slowing down i'm being a coward or whatever yeah it's more of taking a step within meaning look at everything you're doing because you might be going forward by by not competing you're not really taking a step back maybe you're taking a parallel move so for me personally I'm not going to go to a competition where A, I could potentially really fuck myself, but training bodybuilding style training and then trying to throw is almost counterintuitive. Yeah. My muscles are stiff. I'm looking for tension and consistent tension. My muscles are very tight, tired, and then I'm going for max effort throwing, which is highly technical, highly dynamic. Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm going in a different direction. I'm still going forward. I didn't necessarily take a step back. I took a step within to analyze mm-hmm. and to go forward in that direction and just changing that semantic has made me feel better about my choice because, like I said, somebody taking a step back just always feels like a little bit of a kick, although it's not bad. This is sure. just me personally. Well, no, and I think that we will take, or, or someone who would be offended by that, would almost uh, take it as being dismissive of your progress. Mm-hmm. And that is the problem. Right. You know, because for a lot of us, where we are now, is the struggle it, it's we couldn't be here without what we've been through so to be like hey take a step back from everything that you've earned up to this point is like like what fuck i gotta go back <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like you know what's back there yeah <laughs> and, and, and of course like i said you know there's there's times to take steps back if you're doing something stupid yeah you know what i mean like hey step back bro like you need to re- but in this aspect in this particular timing and then i suppose the way this podcast really wants to kind of go is to take the step within, which we've, we, we've talked about this in other ways several times. The dig down, that's another way of saying you don't uh, have to look external. It's not external, it's inside. The rebellion versus revolution concept. Look within. That's where change comes from. And step within when you need to make a, a decision. It's, it's stepping inward, which is a much harder thing to do and it's always going to give you a forward momentum after it's like inertia you push hard enough it's going to bounce forward it's just the way it, it feels like you know right. it's like your soul is like some sort of sponge slingshot and you push you push you push like oh i'm good boom and you fire forward and like hey man like you you look great you you, you sound pumped up you're like yeah man because i had some time to myself yeah to dig and and then you know do you think that 
because of your uh, psychological background that having that degree or that knowledge puts you at an advantage or a disadvantage because I feel like you would be having a lot of wars inside because of who you are passionately versus who you are rationally. Mm. And well, yeah, (laughs) that's a great question. Fuck. Um, Wow. I will tell you this. My greatest attribute and my worst downfall is that my passion and my ability to be on one side of the spectrum is so at war with the logical, rational side psychologically. When I feel something, I almost explain it to myself in a logical sense. You're feeling this because such this, 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 and this. As opposed to some people who just feel it. And they just feel it and then either they discard it or use it for whatever way they want to do it. You know, some people are very emotional and that's its own journey. And the back and forth and the explanation and the rationalization and the labeling of what I'm feeling, you know, this is, you know, minor depression and this is obviously self-inflicting the parting come from a self-loathing distancing from youth. And this is why, you know, your relationship with your mom was this way. This is why you feel this way. And constantly explaining to myself why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. And then the other side saying, just let me fucking feel this for like five seconds. You know, bro, let me just be mad or let me just be sad. You know, Oh, you're sad. Well, you're sad because obviously your serotonin level is a little low from the drinking and maybe doing drugs and being tired. But at the same time, are you really sad or are you mad at yourself? And I'm like, bro, shut the fuck up, man. And this is how my brain works. 24 7 and it's a double-edged sword yeah and that i could just say that something i had posted recently is like i'm here to win wars i'm not here to stick to these battles these battles go on within me every second of the day but the war is to come out waking up one day and having the will to keep going that's the war mm-hmm. hey man you took the information that your brain is feeding you you did the best you can with what was given and you're still trying to progress with it and that's mine and my concept. And you're right. That, that is very me. I don't know how anyone else is, but that's how my brain works. It yeah. always needs to rationalize from great things that are happening to every single feeling that I'm feeling, which it contains it even to the point where like, hey, like, you know, let's say I'm competing. Are you excited? I go, I'll be excited when I get there mm-hmm. is my always answer. Yeah. And that's great, but it's also not great. Can I just feel excited for a week? I won't let myself feel excited. I'm oh, it's a here's my rational mind. Don't waste energy. Don't waste time. You don't know if you're even gonna get there. Wait, save it. As opposed to somebody who might just be really in a great mood for five days leading to a competition. Yeah. You know, that's me. And I tell people that's why when I see people struggling, I'm like, I, I tell them what I wish I can tell myself. I'm like, it's okay to be excited. Feel your excitement and use it as a as a fuel system, but not mm. your GPS. And I love that you said that because recently you said something in passing. We were just talking about uh, competition and stuff like that. And I said, man, you know, what do you think about like that rage? Like how, like everyone's like the rage, the rage. Now for me personally, um, my rage is like evil. Right. It's not good. It's not mean. for you. Yeah. It's well, I could use it, but people would pay for it. Right. And that's not really the life I want. Right. But you said this, you said, my rage is my ignition, not my fuel. Mm. 
And I kind of wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, one, because progressively, I think that, that that was, if you were to go on Instagram and you were to go to the Battle X Gym and you were to scroll back three or four years and you would look, you looked like a demon released every time you trained. And now you can see this existential buildup of like that click and then you just turn into like a powerful professional. I guess that's the best way to explain it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, so let's talk about like that development of skill and then how psycho- using your psychological background to develop that into becoming just your ignition and not your fuel because it, it looked years ago as it was the reverse. I'm going to write that down. Uh, I like that. First of all, your memory is awesome, and I love that you write down things. Because like, We were saying this when I was having a drink at my cousin's, I remember now. Yep. And I would have forgotten 100%. Uh, you're amazing at this. Um, so, and here's something I'll say, too. The ability to have gone to school for psychology, um, by no means do I think I am more in tune than anyone else. But when you go to school for something, your things are being asked of you, that would never be normally asked. Mm-hmm. Professors, works, journals, you know, studies. And I was fortunate enough to go to a good school and surround myself with people that asked me very difficult questions. And I had to kind of develop this thing because that was the concept was to eventually go into therapy and things like that. And that's where I mean, that's where I think the strength comes from, from having the ability to explore these questions, not only within myself, but externally, like ask a question of other people. I believe that that's the benefits of going to a university and, and, and education. Because sure. Some people dog on education. I'm like, sure. I was very enough to have grown up with some street smarts and really bad friends and also go to school with very incredibly intelligent people. So on that aspect, when... You, when I was younger, um, I believed that that rage had to encompass most of my, and I, here's why, and I, don't, I guess I really don't say it much, because I was really, really scared. Mm. And I was scared to fail. I was scared to let people down. I was la- scared to uh, make others think I'm weak or have people see me in a way that wasn't strong. And I thought that for sure the only way to cover that up and to keep it at bay was to always be angry because if you're always angry nothing and no one apparently can fuck with you that's what i thought back then um and i used it more consistently as a as a fuel source it was my main thing it was just to be angry to find rage and look i'm not dogging you if that's what you do i'm just telling you i've been on that side mm-hmm. and it's still there it's just become a refined part. It is the spark, not the gas. The gas is other things, love, passion, people around me, perseverance, experience, a big fuel source of things that are have a long-term effect. They don't have a glass ceiling. They're not short-term. They're not short-wired. They're things that will go forever. The ability to move. Your why has to be more than something that lasts a day or two or ten minutes. It has to be something that you can be buried with, that you can leave behind. These, when they put your boat out to burn, if you're going to, we're going to speak Norse. When they set you out to burn on the boat, make sure that the things that you die with are forever. 
there are things that you set out to do, like the, let's speak the, the swords, your armor, these things that had, that had cultivated you and will, will shield you and be with you in battle the rest of your life. You don't just pick up a weapon and then never use it again. Mm-hmm. You know, you rage is the quick thing. Rage is the bullet, not yeah. the gun. Do you think it's easier? It's easier to use rage oh, rather than It was discipline? so much easier. Yeah. It was so much easier because rage, and I love rage. I st- rage is there it's right yeah. there and then i can contr- it's it's like a sniper rifle not a not a constant flamethrower or, or or machine gun it's but it when you're always angry and you use this anger it's so easy because no one wants to explore you including yourself you're just fucking mad and you're like <laughs> i'm mad and i use anger i'm like use it but there's a you have to learn how to become acute with it as a weapon Whatever charge or neurological, if you want to get into the science, science explanation, yeah. whatever charges your neurological system, obviously getting into your kill or be killed attitude is going to produce more force, correct? But if you hold on to it, we do understand that it actually drains your body more than if you let it go. This is science if you want to get after it. But if we're speaking on the sense of psychology and mentality and long-term tools, this is the same way how you should kind of live life and look i'm not a fucking saint i have a really once ignited i have a horrible temper and i think 99% of every single time i use my temper i end with fuck it's never like oh that was great yeah the things that have taken me long term are to be i'm not saying be a pussy patience planning cunning perseverance waiting for your moment to strike that is the difference between the old wolf and the young wolf i'm like throw all the jabs you want i only need fucking one motherfucker and that's how i treat training yeah like there is this the goal of the day i'm going to pick up 600 pounds three times watch me the whole day the whole week i plan for this i prepare for this i breathe into it i don't i'm the whole day you're just i'm focused i'm not Have mad you always pre-planned like that yeah dude oh it's disgusting very few very few times have i uh broken the mold of training to go an extra rep yeah and it's always a gamble and that's been a 50 50 yeah some days i'm like yeah and other days i fuck myself to pieces fuck why'd i do that so i'm not i'm guilty we all are but when the plan is set that's all i think about yeah i mean i've always approached that stuff like for me rage is is uh is a fire that can't be put out. So I'd be careful with what I use to touch it. You know, I might just use my hands. If I let my chest get in there, then I burn everything. Right. You know, so I like that idea because I, I think it's, it's evident and I can, I can see that as you've grown, not only as a person, but as a coach and as an athlete, I love the, the progress. And I, I think it's very interesting to talk about, um, development right because that concept sorry to interrupt yeah sure and that concept does come from seeing it in others not so much seeing it within myself do you have a specific of someone close to you that you've been like wow i have uh several people and i see it in them and i'll say i always say this and it's it's a funny statement but it's true. It's also one of my favorite songs. Like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. <laughs> and I look at him. I go, and I promise you, you're not as tough as me. 
<laughs> and they're just, okay. you know, and I don't mean to you be. You are a, not going to out yeah, me, yeah, dog. I'm like, you're not going to out stupid me, you know. <laughs> um, and I say it in a sense because I, I know a lot of tough guys. Yeah. And I know what tough guys look like. And I'm like, I can't be that tough. So I'm not going to be that fucking dumb. And we say, you know, with respect, of course. Sure. Um, but a lot of where I've come from personally has come from coaching and teaching and being exposed to seeing in somebody else and seeing how destructive it can be for them. And the first thing you say is, Dude, don't do that because, and then I'm, as I'm saying it, I'm like, why don't I practice this? And like, it's a, I feel embarrassed when I'm saying it to them and I'm like, I don't do this. Yeah. So enough of those conversations was like, okay, Mike, well, you need to walk the walk, you know, and, and you're not always going to walk the walk and you're right. But at least, at least if I'm practicing what I preach 50% of the time, mm. my outcome may be that much better. So when I see the lifter try to go for another set, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I go, don't do that. And the first thing I say is, I used to do that. And that's stupid as fuck because I had no one to tell me, don't do the extra set. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up for it. Don't punish yourself for that set. Keep your head up. Go home. Don't go home with that anger and that rage that just cooks. And then you go to the next training session. Like, now nah, I'm going to get a PR on this trick. You don't strike. Fuck it. I'm going to heavy stones on Saturday because I sucked on Tuesday. And that perpetuates into this wild animal. You're just angry at everything. And always you're using that anger the next session, then the next session until you're out. Do you feel like that translates more to more misses too? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I love it, man. I love rage. But if it's not controlled, it's a big variable. Yeah. Controlled fires are the most useful things in the world. Sure. A fucking forest fire they out of feed control. feed you every day. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And that's kind of where I've, and it's something that I remember seeing in older athletes. I'm like, man, that guy looks professional. Like he, he while lifting, like a wild animal. I'm like, woof. Yeah. I don't want to fuck with that guy. And then after, calm as fuck. I go, see? I knew it. I remember seeing them. I go, this is where I want to be. Not where I have to be, where I want to be. Yeah. They know how to turn it on and they know how to turn it off. And I'm like, that's a sign of experience. Doesn't matter whether they're 21 or 87. I'm like, that's what that is. And I try to instill that. But I've learned most of that by talking and teaching. I'm like, you know, it's funny that you bring that up. When I was a young man, I was like 19, Mm -hmm. 18 or 19. And I worked for PetSmart. And I had a boss who was... um, he was a good boss, right? Mm-hmm. But he um, he had his flaws, right? So I was uh, an animal at 19. I was going out drinking every night, like fucking. I, I had that job. I had two other jobs. I went to school full time. I was just fucking psychopath. And I would always walk into work about seven or eight minutes late. Always. And he wrote me up for it. And on the write-up, it had a comment section. I think his name was Eduardo. I can't remember. But I remember that, like, he, like, put me in check. So he writes me up, and he goes, John has a problem with being late. But he was always late. So I wrote in the comments, Eduardo should lead by example. (laughs) Because fuck you, right? Sassy fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, what's funny is, First, the first thing he did when he read that comment was rage on his face. He was furious, but he was furious because I was fucking right. He was more angry at himself. And he looked at me and he said, and he tore the write up up. And he goes, 
you and I are both going to be on time from now on. And I said, if you're going to be on time, I'll be on time. He's like, deal. We shook on it. My father, who is an interesting man, <laughs> had always very, very put a lot of emphasis on handshakes and agreements. Like, you're going to shake a man's hand. You're going to look him in the eye. That's binding. Right. You sold your soul to the devil, yeah. basically, you yeah. know? So I never shook his hand when he was like getting me to do stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know you, Dad. Fist bump, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Dad. Yeah. Um. So we shook, and from that day on, I would party till four or five in the morning, and I would sleep in the fucking parking lot mm-hmm. because I would never be late again. Because you made a deal. But that accountability, and to have, and I know for him it was rough to have like you know a nineteen year old fucking snotty kid. Yeah. Like a nineteen year old tell me something now, I will. I'll foot you in the chest. Yeah, fucking fight. Like. <laughs> but it, you know, it, man, that's a really good story because I completely relate to that. I don't necessarily, I've never, I've had the, I've had questions asked of me that make me feel similar mm. when I'm coaching. But it's, it's, I, there's that feeling, that look as I'm saying it. And I tell you what, six years ago, when I people were like, slow down, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't need, I, I could hear myself going, what's this? But they're probably looking at me and probably saying, yeah, but you don't do it. <laughs> I can, even if they weren't saying it, I was manifesting it. Yeah, sure. I'm like, they're looking at me this way, you know? And I was, that's a big part of what I'm saying. Like what happened to your boss, Eduardo, that moment, he's like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, and you put yourself in these kind of situations where you, you identify, you're like, I'm not leading by example. And... I, that's why I always say teaching and coaching when you get in these positions opens your app, your eyes and your avenues to just a whole world of introspection. Sure. Because you cannot lead people with faulty feet. You have to say something deep rooted within yourself. So when you say it, it's with fervor and no one questions you, you know, cause the human endeavor is to question. We are sure. curious creatures. Sure. So a hundred percent. That story is exactly how I feel I'm on his stance. I'm like, when I'll say something, I'm like, mm. and that's why I always say, I go, I, I swear, when somebody's, I can feel it that they're about to try me. I'm like, and if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. And you know, we're fucking near as tough as me, motherfucker. And they're like, well, okay. I'm like, get back the fuck to work. And they're like, okay. I'm like, you don't, you know, you're, you're yeah. not going to wake up going downstairs one step at a time at 36. You're not. You're going to bitch about it because you hurt your wrist and you almost cried. I'm like, fuck off. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, and you kind of see and feel the play. You know? And there's the office. There's a generational difference. Like you're in a position now where you've quote or you've trained or coached different generations, right? So right. you can see like the seventies and eighties babies who will literally come to your gym on one leg. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> like, and do the work. Yeah, I'm dead. I'm like, okay. And then you get the newer guys that are like, uh, I jammed my pinky earlier. <laughs> I gotta say, I hurt my pinky. Gets a handicap sticker. <laughs> yeah. I know somebody in particular, Felipe. I hope you're listening to this. Oh, uh, he's, he's just he'll he, ride he lost the wave. a finger or not, man, for sure. I knew it. He's got that <laughs> handicap tag after he fucking pinched his pinky. Oh man, you know what's funny is I, my brother. Mm. So my brother's a you know world traveler he loves to do all kinds of crazy shit so he went skiing the other day and he fucking he was on rental equipment and the rental equipment came apart on him skiing and he destroyed his shoulder like destroyed it and he knew and he's like i just can't wait to get back in the gym i'm like relax yeah, marine all right like, guys fucking yeah. take take it easy <laughs> Hoo-ah, you know chill yeah, exactly yeah, whatever the fuck he's like thing. he's like no no he's like it's just a torn labrum bicep 
uh, like minial school lateral. I'm like, dude. <laughs> I get it. I feel it. I'm like, I still do legs. I know you want to drag yourself through the trenches. I know you do. Yeah, what, what, let's see, hear me out on this. Yeah, come on. Just take a little bit. Let's talk. Come on. Yeah. So, yeah, he's going through right now. Fuck. But um, the we both are generation, uh, generationally like that, well, I don't have one arm. Still breathing. So. But look at this arm. Yeah. This arm is sick. Yeah, like, I can do so many things with this it's arm. It's a survivalist mentality. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? It's funny that you mentioned that. Survivalist mentality, I think, applies to relationships so much. Mm-hmm. And I think, wow. Okay, I'm sorry to take us on this path, but here we go. <clears throat> I think that there's something to be said about survivalist mentality. Um, especially in relationships and development of relationships. And I'll give you a good for example. Mm-hmm. Myself, when I was young, I had always try. I had always been trying to like figure out the next meal or the next night's sleep or all of these things because I, I I had not a lot of it. And it turned me into this person who basically like would treat things as, well, I'm not gonna have. I probably never have this again. So I don't really care what happens to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that started applying to relationships for me, friendships, romantic relationships, where uh, it's funny because I dated a girl for a while who was very big on psychology. And she's like, you're such a survivalist. Everything you do is survivalist. Like, you don't even fucking think about, like, anything else except for the day. And I'm like, well, yeah, because I spent so many times worrying about only that day, you know? But the survivalist mentality, um, well, let's let's hear it from you. What is your opinion of a survivalist mentality? And let's talk about where you think it can be good, applied, and then not only uh, life, but also in training, and how it can be applied, or in, in, and how it is bad, and how it can be detrimental to training That's and it. life. Oh, awesome. That was completely unexpected, and I love it. <laughs> Crack. I love it. Um First of all, I would like to say that I think all of us are born as survivalists. I think genetically, in a nature sense, from the moment we are a fucking zygote, you know, we are trying to survive. Um, how many weeks in you think we are human? That's a whole separate conversation. I'm not here to fucking talk about it. I'm just saying that anything that is alive from a cell to an elephant inherently is trying to survive. That is what life was meant to do. What ends up happening is the nurture effect. What life does to that genetic gift Mm. and what it transforms that into. In your case, it ends up being a little bit more hardened where this survivalist mentality becomes extremely selfish to the point of detrimental because it can't be developmental at that point. You're, You're crutting things off too abruptly and then there's the other ones that are using it in a different light yeah. survivability is a very long-term effect and they do things because that's they care about living a hundred years and so they don't do much at all they don't expose themselves to too many things like well if i do this i'm gonna get hurt so i'll be hurt at at 65 i'm like that's also a survivalist mentality mm-hmm. you have your two extremes from the day to the present to where I'll be at 100 years. You see, we are born with this. This is my opinion, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> but 
you're, we're born with this. And then nurture starts to manifest its avenues and you go somewhere left or right. When nurture takes that predominant use and it, it forms you into it, whether you were, some people don't even think about this, but because they're born, let's say, in a rich household, mm. their survivability mentality is long term. They think about what? Investments. <sighs> because their family has money to think about stock market. <laughs> yeah. I never heard the stock market until I was like in my late teens. I'm like, what the fuck? Not because I was ignorant, but because it never came up. Sure. I guess you can say that it is ignorant to that. Um, and they think about buying a car that's going to last 15 years. And then you have the opposite side of the spectrum. You hope the car just makes it down the road. You don't think investment. You need money just to eat. Yeah. Today, you have shoes that are, you don't have five shoes because you have a shoe for the day so they last longer. You have one pair of shoes that your mom yells at you if you play in. These mentalities are very realistic. How does that apply to training? When that nurture of you and that who you are starts to apply to training. See, training is not life. Training can be controlled. Training is under your discipline. Life, not so much. What you were handed the day you were born and the things around you do influence how you're going to make a decision. I'm not saying you can't go from rags to riches and from riches to rags, of course. But let's be realistic. You don't choose your parents. You don't choose your upbringing in many ways. <laughs> After that, yeah, as an adult, you can make moves. In training, it's very evident to say things like, hey, by the way, I can choose if I'm going to deadlift on Saturday. I can choose if I'm going to do doubles and triples and things like that. And I think that's important to understand if you have the survivalist mentality. Meaning, what you're looking for is a mixture of being satisfied for the day and hunting for the day with the idea that this is going to set you up in the future. So you have to meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys out here, like I was like this, there is no tomorrow. And I say this all the, all the time. I train. Everything ends. Everything ends. I train with that concept that every deadlift could be my last deadlift forever. But the backbone of that is with that mentality, I want to deadlift until I die. And that's that mixture of both those extremes. To the people listening, you have to use these mentalities as, as tools. If you were lucky enough to be born in the middle of this spectrum, like many of us, mm. you have to use those extremes as tools, like rage and peace, like focus and wild animal dynamics. These are the outskirts, the the extremes, you grab them and you use them. People who have that survivalist mentality will often lift in a sense that they don't think they'll lift tomorrow. So go for the PR every single day. But that is a short-term life. And then when they get hurt, they're all fucked to pieces. And then you have people that never go heavy, never push themselves, never compete because they're like, eh, you know, I just want to kind of, well, that's not us either. Oh, and that's what like nurture that's, like Th that's nurture the nurture concept of it. Like they just yeah. have that long, their, their route, their mentality is that, what I'm trying to say is use that both in the middle and the way you, if you want to get technical, in the way you program yourself. Mm. Push yourself in the moment. Have a goal for the day. Set your standards. But with the idea that the backbone of that short-term mentality is also long-term mentality. I love that. How can you teach or how can you coach a nurtured athlete to have a survivalist mentality? So 
Yeah, in the sense of nurture, I mean basically what what life hands you. So if you have a person that has been nurtured and they have a long-term, very fearful mentality, you have to remind them of the realities of life in training. Meaning, you are never guaranteed the next training session. And that that is a beautiful thing, not a sad thing. Mm. You're never guaranteed the next set, whether it's through injury or some shit happens in life, and you're like, hey, by the way, we're fucked, right? (laughs) Bless you. Thank you. So... Just like I would talk to a person that just is like, fuck it all the time. And you speak to them about the long-term effects of training and going forward. You also have to tell the person that there is no long-term without short-term goals. Day-to-day, little-by-little, brick-by-brick. And then you're telling the person that does the day-to-day, brick-by-brick, you're trying to build a house. You're not just laying brick. Like, if you just lay brick... Okay, but are you building a wall? Are you building a room, a house? And these are just anecdotal, metaphorical things. But you're laying brick by brick, but what are you building, son? Are you building a warehouse or are you building a fucking castle? Or a wall. Or a wall. Or a ditch. Understand, I can see people just laying brick for the sense of laying brick. And hey, respect to you. If that's cool, you're happy. But then don't come at me and ask, you know, I want to be the best. The best at what? Yeah. You know, your lifespan is no more than 24 hours. And we've been there. But use that as a fuel source. Like, in this, not a fuel source, in the sense of a short-term goal, not a long-term GPS. Yeah, right. So you get those attitudes. You you have those people on the spectrum on the sense of going all the way ext- extreme of never doing anything hard, never pushing, always being scared, to the person that goes fucking balls to the wall every day all the time. The goal is to use those extremes as tools and then draw them into a program and a mentality set that... They're going to treat each and every single one with a that short-term passion, but long-term logic. That was it. That's what I wanted to say. We love you, Dark Continent. Good night. Jeez. Short-term passion, long-term logic. That's exactly what we need. In my best MDLB voice. Write that shit down. Yeah, write that shit down. Exactly what the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... We could pretty much end it here. We're not I, going I to. Don't f- I feel like we should, but at the same time, we have more to drink. <laughs> so, Angels Envy, if you want to sponsor us, um, you know, whatever. please send money and liquor to yes. PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, we're really hammering, uh, you know, uh, I guess the the old dog new tricks concept mm-hmm. right we i mean it's been applied if you google it it just comes up with a bunch of dogs oh i don't know if you google it but i fucking love dogs oh yeah you do. um i have so many you do you do have a whole pack. fucking dickheads yeah. bro well, we got all boys bro those huskies boy dogs are dicks they do their thing like yeah. and it's whatever they want yeah <laughs> those motherfuckers their thing is whatever they want yeah yeah it's like uh you know it's funny, and I hate to talk about my dogs, but here we are. Here we are. Um, my two. So I have the bigger one, oh, Atlas, of course, who is scared of everything. Well, I mean, yeah, because he's big, so yeah, he's like, yeah, scared elephant. And then I have Crixus, who's like, so shout out to my favorite show. I have him tattooed, Spartacus. Yeah, uh, Crixus was like his rival, then became his like his best friend, and Crixus is like, what the fuck was that? I heard a noise. Let's go. Let's go find out what that was. Let's eat it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it fucks with that, right? And their personalities are so different. And they have like this like 
human aspect of Dogs are the best. Yeah, I'm like, hey, do this thing, and they're like, God. yeah, I'm gonna do it, but not because you told me. Yeah, because I have my own thing. <laughs> I have my own dog feelings. Uh, so, so the new uh, old dog, new tricks concept has has obviously become important to you, to me, to to everyone who is really getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like we are so saturated with influencers and and gurus and stuff that are like, hey, you got to get out of your comfort zone. But what does getting out of your comfort zone really mean to you? And uh, that's a good question. Um, this is funny because uh, Paul had just commented something. He's like, uh, you know, I see an old wolf learning new tricks. And it was something that I, this comes from the concept of me approaching the next three or four months in a very bodybuilding perspective. Um, obviously, you guys know, and those who don't, whenever I do something, it's very passionately, and that's kind of what I focus on. I either dress that part, I listen to the music of it. I, I need to drown myself in that path because I don't want to go into a Saturday and go, God, I should log press. Of course I want to log press. I'm a strong man. Of course I want to throw and box. Um, but I need to have a path. And, you know, recently, uh, Triana had to uh, had a new business venture, so I lost my coach. And it, it's no, uh, no personal. I'm not taking it in anything. But the reality is you kind of had a whole year planned with this person. It's like a relationship. Yeah. And then it ends abruptly, and you're just kind of like, well, fuck. So for like a week or two. Well, that's I'll, interesting because, um, and I'm sorry to cut you off, I, but you had a mentioned and normally when you tag your programming and or, or, or whatever you're doing and you give a body update or a training update you'll tag everyone and i noticed he wasn't tagged yeah he had a new a new business venture and we had a very professional talk and he had to focus on that and i was like right on doug like thank you for being honest with me and straightforward um but in the sense of you know you kind of had a whole year planned uh, i did and i'm like this is going to be a whole new machine and then i just ended abruptly it's like moving in together and they're like okay we're done <laughs> you move in it's like yeah, it's like where do uh, i go so i'm gonna sleep in the other room right if there is another room yeah i'll sleep in the car and okay so i said now what yeah you know and i was very you know distracted and a little bit down obviously and i said well what do i need and uh, i talked with triana and paul prior to that it was always i need to build muscle to maintain my neurology fine and it ends up being that a lot of these new tricks are new to the person that you're becoming. They're not new things that you may have never done before. Like I, I started bodybuilding. I got into strength training because of bodybuilding. Only in the right. 30s, 40s, and 50s, we got into strength training because we wanted to look like Arnold and Columbo and Ronnie and Jay. These yes. guys, yeah, we just wanted to be Jack Yates. You know, we we thought that was cool. And anyone, you know, we sure. thought these were the human endeavor. And of course, I saw. I was watching Strongman. Remember, the Strongman of the early 90s were all jacked. There was a fat Strongman was very rare. Look, look at Puyanovsky. Look at Yako um, uh, Olo. These guys were in great place. Magnus from Magnus. And these guys Jeez. look awesome, man. They just, Huge. you know what I mean? Traps they, up to their earlobes. Yeah, and they look great, you yep. know? So we get in this concept of it. And it's like, yeah, you know, old wolf, new tricks. And it's it's more about old wolf, new understanding. Wow, and, uh, you know, and it's it's saying and understanding that, hey man, you know, I need to kind of, well, take a step within, and do things and resurface things that are just 
part of what I'm trying to develop in the long term. And it's hard, man. Yeah. It's really hard. It's developing a new relationship with myself. It's understanding that, you know what, my knee is going to hurt for the next four months because it did a number and I it did nationals. Yeah. Didn't get hurt in nationals a lot. <laughs> and, you know. Outside of like the, the the shit you're used to. Right. And, you know, maybe five years ago it would have taken a month. But now it's going to take me a while. And I have right. to develop this new relationship with myself and i wrote it recently on one of my stories that the hardest thing to develop is a new relationship with yourself and every year and i don't mean this in the sense of 365 days i mean this within the span of sports sometimes every six months three months whatever i'm challenged this way yeah i'm challenged to think well what do i do with this what's been given to me right now and who do I have to become to, you know, overcome these fears and doubts? Mm-hmm. And it's a new relationship. It's a new understanding. So that old wolf or old dog and new tricks, it's it's really new understandings. I know how to bodybuild. Yeah. I know. I literally get paid to program bodybuilding. But when it comes to myself, I'm reluctant because I'm scared. Am, am I going to let go? Why am I doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And I had to have a sit down. I'm like, Michael, understand, and I wrote it on the board of my gym because I need visuals, and it says, remember you're doing this for one more war. And I touch it all the time because I'm an emotional person, obviously, and I need physical contact, and I have to tell myself, I don't have a lot of battles left. I promised Bake that I was going to get a fucking pro card, and it's just like that, that mentality is in my soul. And when you promise something to someone and yourself, it is like, it is a, it is just a, uh, like you said, it's just a fire that doesn't stop. And you do anything and everything to get there. And I will not be okay if I just suddenly give up. And I will do whatever the fuck it takes. If it takes three months of bodybuilding, eight months of fucking bodybuilding, 10 fucking years i want to know that when i when i get to my end point i feel exhausted from having tried so fucking hard not sad or regretful that i should have done a certain path i took a year off from my spine just to get back to tear my bicep on the first month back and i still came back and i'm not saying i'm better than anyone because i'm sure there's way harder stories sure but that's the fuel system that is the that is the why because when you make a promise to something and someone, especially yourself, that is forever. Whether you complete the promise or not, it's like, oh, I'll protect you forever. I'm like, if you promise, if you use the word promise, you can't take that back. To me, the word promise is higher than love. Yeah. That's me. That's me. That's why you never, Johnny, if I use, you know it. You'll never hear me say, I promise, unless it, but even saying the word is emotional to me because that word is heavy. Sure. And that's when people are like, oh, promise. I'm like, don't use that word. <laughs> swear. Say swear or whatever. And that concept is, 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 has to come across with new understandings, old tricks, old mentalities, old trainings, but a new understanding that I'm not the guy I was five years ago, even a year ago. <sighs> My body is not the same. It was six months ago. Right. And so we dig down and we understand, we take that step within. And I think everyone 
that listens and hears understands that because when you don't take a step within, you take a step forward further into those dark crossroads. And we all know what the word crossroad is, you know, trying to represent. And that's where you have to kind of listen to yourself in that aspect because you have to learn to speak to yourself. You have to learn to deal with yourself. You have to learn to develop conversations with yourself that are so difficult. And this is where we are now. And it's, you know, are you bodybuilding? Would I like to do a bodybuilding show? Yeah, man, maybe in my, in my later years. But this is a tool. You got the quads for it. Ah, I feel good about these quads. They're coming They're in. Sick. They're I'm going to get the separation. Like a little piece of art. I'm just. Picasso. If this you is will. happening. I'm just letting you know. This is happening. It's going to be like a Dali thing. But no, I think happening. what we should do is maybe me and you, right? We'll I'm just, in. Do you have me at me and you? <laughs> We'll just tan only the parts that are really good for us. So I'll just tan my calves. <laughs> right? And we'll go out in this Speedo. You tan your quads down and we will fucking shred. It's just disgusting. <laughs> uh, there's so many things coming as far as uh, retail this year. I'm going to fill you in once you get off the year. Um, but yeah, Johnny, that's kind of um, the fuel system. And I think it it's not, an, it's not a number as far as age. Because it's it's a number as far as experience. Because experience, yeah. in my opinion, like, <laughs> how do you put a timeline on experience? Sure. How do you put a number on your sacrifices? Sure. I sacrificed, you know, three days. No. Emotions are not, and consciousness in that sense, are not restrained by time. They're restrained by these feelings. And this growth that has no 365-day parameters. You have these things that you have experienced that may have aged you if you have to put into a number. Right. Years. And that's why you meet some young people who are like, are you really that young? And you meet some old people who are like, are you really 45, dog? Because you're a fucking child. Here's a great example. I'm actually older than you. <laughs> yes. Handsome. Which you'll never let me forget. Never. Uh but, like, I come to you for a lot of things because in certain aspects, your mentality is more developed than mine, you know? Right. Especially training. Like, right. when you write training and you go, okay, squat. Don't. Don't die <laughs> because you know that I'm a fucking child and yep. I will go till I fucking die. And then next week is, my knee hurts. I got oh <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Yeah. And yeah. so that's a great example of age does not define your experience no number will such as size does not define your strength fuck no we do understand that if we want to get sciencey please do strength is neurology strength fuck. is a mindset literally a mindset i want literally. you guys to write that down it 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 is scientifically proven that strength comes from a message a signal from the brain to pull and to access as many muscles as possible to get whatever task needs to be done so the bigger the guy it doesn't necessarily say that he is the strongest person yeah. although i'm sure he has potential but potential has nothing to do with execution and if that was the case i mean how many motherfuckers would be great yeah <laughs> yeah so shit when i see things like that when i see people 
that are smaller and I wish I was bigger. I'm like, look, we all do. But understand that your strength is going to come from your ability to focus and to absolutely understand that every single rep has to be driven by your perfection, your desire to exceed your abilities. That is where you can use a short term. You're not using diesel fuel there. You're using rocket fuel, which is rage, (laughs) anger, fervor, passion, whatever. That fucking short term is what you need to get in that zone. And then afterwards, you use the other fuels to analyze, to understand, Mm -hmm. to learn, to teach, to coach yourself, to get into a long term mentality. How can we do that again? Yeah. How can we re- replicate that consistently? Well, I love that you've really taken us down this path. I of getting, we're getting after it. Um, within the villains, we have really, really focused this year on self accountability. Oh, one of my favorite okay? things, which is um, it's scary. It's scary. Self accountability is a process that. You almost have to demonize yourself if you're truly looking at the things that you've done and said and you're truly trying to hold yourself accountable for the things that you did. It feels, at least to me, because self-accountability, okay, let's back up. We talked about me being a survivalist, Mm. right? That was almost demonized by somebody who was not a survivalist. Because they could not connect with all the loss that I experienced. And so, in the time of the separation, and I'm, talk- I'm speaking about this romantically because obviously I met my wife in this process, right? I had to step in and look at myself and, man, you want to talk about fucked. Because I was like, dude, you did that. Right. That wasn't her fault. That was your fault. You chose that fight or you chose that whatever it was. And I spent a good amount of months really, really checking myself, which was, I think self-accountability is a window of like volcanoes erupting where it's just fire and brimstone and all of these things that are bad because self-accountability is a skill first and foremost, but it also is a look into your wrongs that you've used all of these outside stressors to kind of muddle your way through like, yeah, well, you know, I'm this way because X, like for me, it was like, everybody quit on me. So I'm this way. You just need to accept it. And somebody was like, no, I don't. And then I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, that's your fucking problem. And I was like, my problem what do you mean mm-hmm. like you need to you need to take a step inside mm. so let's talk about that let's talk about self accountability let's talk about developing self accountability not only as a person because i think personally it develops you as an athlete so as a younger man do you believe that you always held yourself accountable for your actions in terms of life that applied to training? 
Or did you develop that skill? And was that skill developed because you were responsible for others? Huh. So I really think that uh, I've always been extremely accountable to myself, obviously. Mm. And, and I mean the word extreme to the point of ex, ex, you know, being extreme, where everything is my fault. Also, everything is because of me. And as a younger man, that led me to cockiness, sometimes arrogance. I'm still cocky as fuck, but not like I used to be. Uh, a little bit more confident now. It's different when we're really good at everything we do. I mean, pfft, right? That's confidence at that point. No, nah, it's confidence. Yeah. So we earned it. It's fact. Um, but <laughs> you'll hear a lot of people say that and self-accountability is difficult. And it is because when it comes to self-accountability, a lot of people develop an idea that is not long-term um, in, its, in its production. When you become self-accountable, a lot of the concepts behind this is just, you know, you do this, oh, I need to be hard on myself, I need this now, I need to wake up early in the morning, I need to get inside, I need to go. But are you developing habits and rituals, if you want to use that, or, or you know, processing that you can do the rest of your life? Yeah. So when self-accountability comes into play and you're hard on yourself and you're pushing yourself, are these things that you can do five years down the line, 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line? Are you always going to beat yourself up this way? Are you always going to uh, push yourself this way? Are you always going to wake up at this time? Are you always going to sacrifice this much alcohol or sacrifice this much food or sacrifice this much time with your family? Are you really going to develop something that is short term? For the sake of it, or are you developing a long-term effect, a a lifestyle, a a spirit concept? So when you see these, okay, self-accountability, right? Everyone needs to be more self-accountable, meaning you need to be on time. So I'm going to show up 30 minutes early. How realistic is that? Not realistic. For the mm-hmm. most part, you can only do 30 minutes for maybe a month. Let's say it's a year if you're lucky. What really happens is that maybe pick 10 minutes because, you know, that's more attainable. It's also still within the realms of being polite and accountable and disciplined. So when you say, you know, I'm going to get jacked, you go, I'm going to be 260. I'm going to eat 300 grams of protein. I'm going to train every day. I'm like, I'm being accountable. I'm holding myself. I go, yeah, but that's not a long-term habit. You can't train at that capacity all the time. Accountability also needs to be sustainable. There are moments of extreme, you're right. There are going to be times where you push the limit. But you have to fall back on your sustainable accountability. You have to be realistic with yourself. Yeah. And a lot of people as athletes do that. I'm going to do this, this, this every day. I'm going to, you know, walk and train and eat. I'm like, not most people you are not going to be able to sustain that. Do something, build a conscious relationship with your habits and your goals that are sustainable long-term. And then on that base, you can now spike things like competitions or getting a six-pack or getting an 800-pound deadlift. You fall back on something sustainable, not something irrational. Mm-hmm. And I think as human beings, we do this constantly. You know, you can say you can use New Year's resolutions as, as a as a as a big example. Episode 28. Which is great. Michael De La Palva <laughs> yes. stated that New Year's is his favorite holiday. It is. And I love it. 
And I love when people pick things that are realistic. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna lose 50 pounds. I'm like, that's not that's stupid. Oh, I'm gonna uh I'm gonna eat healthier. All right. Sustainable. Mm. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna buy a new I'm gonna I want a Mercedes. I'm like, uh, I'm gonna save new money so I can buy things that I enjoy. Yes. Sustainability with a process of accountability with something realistic. Sure. And that also transcends into sports. It transcends into real life habits. Oh, I want to get a 600-pound deadlift, but you're at a 225. I want to do it this year. I'm like, the ability and those things that you're creating to get there are probably going to create really bad habits. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not realistic. Sure. I tell people this all the time, and people tend to feel this when it's what? Too fucking late. And so, hey, man, accountability is one of my favorite words. It's also one of the most bastardized fucking words in the fucking world. It's, there's nothing wrong with being accountable. But I love the word sustainability. Yep. So let's put those both together for those athletes listening to right now. You can listen to the greatest of all time. They always say, be realistic. Have a goal for the day. Have things that are long term. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Those are all things that you use accountability for and then get after it. I I definitely I mean well said. Well said. And I I I it's something that I think that accountability is essentially a series of small goals built into one big goal. You know, it's funny um typically, you know, when I train with somebody and like I'll give you for example, when I was training yesterday, somebody who had never touched a log was like, "Man, I want to try the log," and I'm like, "All right." And so we do the log, and it's empty, and he he does really well. And then we put like 125 pounds on there, and he does really well. And then we do 150 pounds, and he does pretty good. And then I'm like, "Man, you should throw like maybe 10 pounds on there just to feel it, just to feel it." And I turn around, and he's got 50 pounds on there, and he destroys himself. Of course. And I'm like, "What have you learned?" You got outside of your accountability for this. You took out a perspective like these steps that got you to the 150-pound press. Right. And you chased this dream of 200 where you could have eased your way to 200, but you didn't. You rushed 150, and now you failed. And now you're like, oh, well, you know, it's I'm new. Oh, yeah, sure, fuck off. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So um, is it live time? It is. Um, we're going to try and get live. Apparently, it's fucking internet connection here. Time comes at you fast. That's what she said. Wow. I appreciate that. Feels feels proper for my house. <laughs> <laughs> we made a baby. I don't even need to be a fucking... Yeah, that's it. Good. We made it. Yeah, it's like I hit the apex. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, for our live... Holy shit, man. We haven't even... But we haven't even scraped the the surface. Nah, yeah, we got lost in we got lost in got conversation in the sauce. Yeah, but sauce. not like the sauce, not the steroid sauce. Yeah, well, we should. I mean, we'd be super jacked. I'd be okay. All right. So for the live, you had a goal, and I want to dive into it. Um, you wanted to talk about some of the uh, conversations that you uh, put up on your "Hey, ask me anything." Oh, yeah, I did that. I'm surprised, like, see, this is why I didn't respond, because I would have made it way more sexual, but whatever. Go on. 
Um, so we'll just go through some. Uh, yeah, we'll hammer out some questions from the audience yeah. here. Nothing crazy. In the audience, I mean, thank you guys um, for listening and asking us questions. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, we try to get on live and answer some of you guys and, and record it and keep it so you guys can watch it later and kind of interact with us as much as we can. Um, but we also like to, uh, you know, field some questions from people, whether it's the day before or that week, and then we get after it. Yep. So. Um, I like a lot of these questions, man. These are good. These are fun. Uh, I, I, I've talked about this before, but what is your favorite feat of strength? Okay. My favorite feat of strength is a stone. Stone? Like a st- uh, any kind of natural or atlas stone load? Yeah. They're my favorite. They're your favorite. I think the greatest feat of strength in general is a clean and press mm. of anything. Whether it's a log, a circus dumbbell. I think that picking up a rock and loading it is the coolest. And I think it's true strength to load something. But to pick it up and press it overhead... It's true strength. You have a deadlift, partial squat, triple extension, and a press. I mean, that's overall to me that the 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 peak of strength performance. Because you you can be a great deadlifter, but if you're not a great puller or you're not a great presser, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's it's shitty. So sure, and you can go through so many avenues of like, oh well, yeah, you can that de- you got a big deadlift, but your bench is fucking right. bleh. exactly. And I would agree with you. I um, I think that stone is is like it's the most applicable, right? Right, like yeah, anybody can take something that they've loaded and be like, yeah, that's cool. Like you, man, you fucking did that. But to me, the greatest strength feat is an overhead squat. Nah, get the fuck out of here. Because I think that no, but hear me out. Okay, and but I'm telling you right now, you're wrong. <laughs> I am, right. and right. maybe, but <laughs> maybe I'm right. Telling you right now, <laughs> but here's here's why I think. Okay, because it requires as an athlete so many things to be right. Yes, and I think that is impressive because you've had to have worked on those things mm-hmm. to make a big overhead squat impressive. Okay, but there's nothing in nature that's ever going to be overhead squatted. Correct. Yeah, I mean, it has I mean, no life application. You fucking weirdo. <laughs> like at this point we can just say, uh, what's that fucking thing they play in the winter Olympics that I love? Oh, no, 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 no. Curling. Uh, curling. You're telling me curling right now is the greatest thing of strength. Curling is pretty it's, sick. It is. But it's, I think it takes it's just more a group strength of dads to be a good out curl. there. Fucking just <laughs> get, just get overhead squat. Fine. It, it, yeah, it's hard. You know, yeah, it's hard. You know, yeah, a lot of things are hard. Look, but. if you're gonna say javelin, then the only time I want to see javelin is if a man is pierced at the other side. Fine. I'm just of I'm the like, battlefield. I respect your opinion. I just feel like mine is way better. Does that make sense? <laughs> like as friends, that's fair. <laughs> it's just really, that's fair. It's just really banter. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, welcome to how we normally talk to each other. Yeah, right. This is, this is live. I hear what you're saying. Raw and uncut. Yeah, this is how I talk to the world. Oh man. Um, <clears throat> God. <laughs> All right, we'll go right into your feels on this one. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Let's talk about your worst strongman experience. Huh. Um, it's kind of a weird question to me because st- strongman. I so, okay, so when you 
the way I view strawman is like if you deal with a viper, you expect to get bit. bit. You know, you mm. expect the poison. Um, and you know, maybe in hindsight, we can always understand that. You know, oh, okay, the injuries and stuff like that were better for me. But I can, I guess, I can tell you from experience was, I guess, the worst thing about strawman for me was to never. Not that it's never because it's not over per se, but it um, it's really difficult to have never reached my potential. And the consistent ghost of ideas telling me that my potential and my time for my potential is gone. And I tell you the worst parts of Strawman are sitting during the award ceremonies and watching people get awards and watching everyone get this and that, and you're just sitting there just getting fucking battered, uh, analyzing and understanding that you put so much work into this and that you kind of deserve to be up there and all these kind of ideas, and that's hard in strongman because uh, as a sport, a strongman, the competitive feeling of it, that idea that this is competition, you are going to lose, yeah. and that you know it takes years at a certain point once you stop beating your local buddies down the street that you're in this kind of like whirlwind of fifth place, sixth place, twentieth place. That is hard for me. That's always been hard for me. Um, as a competitor, as a war that warrior spirit, you always feel and, and think that you should win or that you should be better than what happened. And those are hard for me. Uh mentally, consciously and spiritually, those have always been the hardest things to just watch these things progress in front of you and you're like, man, but I worked really hard and I got hurt and something tore and this isn't fair and this is hard yeah. and why did this have to happen to me and why the fuck does this happen to me when i work so fucking hard not to get this uh and that's hard about strawman because sure. strawman is the most it's the most tumultuous difficult emotional thing it, it, it in one hand it rewards you with everything and the next thing it ends your career it's something you know you could do. Yep. And that's difficult. If I had to say it's a difficult experience with strongman is understanding that, uh, you know, tomorrow in the sense isn't promised and that things can go from zero to a hundred and a hundred back to zero very quickly. And dealing with that idea that you put so much work, so many months for three, four minutes of effort. And it can be just so, it can be like an avalanche of just bad after bad after bad. And you don't forget those feelings. You know, you yeah. worked hard. You do the prehab, the post-hab, the rehab, the drugs, the money, the food, the PT, the massages, the not hanging out with your family and not seeing this. And you do all this fucking work and boom, tear your hamstring and comp. Your fucking comp is over. And you're like, this isn't fair. Yeah. And you look at somebody that doesn't do half as much as you do, just crushing it with horrible form. And this is a reality, dog. This is anybody that tells you otherwise is a fucking liar. Oh yeah, bro. I just wanna. I love the community. I love just hanging out. Shut up. You're a liar. You want to go out there and you, if you're a competitor, you want to fucking win. Right. You want to beat the next person. Next. Shut up. Yeah, there's a community, and yeah, I'm gonna shake your hand, but I want to fuck you up in that moment. And you're sitting there, and you put in hours of work, years of fucking work, years, bro. Perfect form. And you fucking take all the bullshit pills and all the fucking injections up your fucking ass cheek. And you're like, I'm ready, man. And boom, you're betrayed with no sympathy. 
Like if this sport was a living, breathing creature, like some sort of viper around your soul. And it's it just like, did you viper. just fucking bite me? Uh. After all the things I've done for you, after all the fucking work I put in, you're going to fucking bite me in the ass in front of everyone? And you go home and you, what do you got to do? You got to lick your wounds in front of everybody. Yeah. You got to come home, not a failure, but defeated. And that hurts. And I've had more of those than anything else. And it's not that I'm ashamed or I'm like, this is something that I'm going to quit on or whatever. And I thrive on these things, of course. But if you're going to ask me about my worst experience as a strongman, it's that feeling. Yeah. When you're a competitive athlete, this is the difference between some schmuck, no offense, <laughs> that competes to put some participation medal on his fucking wall. Good for you. Good for you. That's not me. I go in there to do absolutely the best I can with everything I've ever had and I fucking get after it. So when those things aren't fulfilled or they're stripped away from me because of injury or some bullshit that the sport comes along with, I'm just like, I don't get it. Yeah. And that kind of hollowness, it haunts you. And that's the hardest part about strong man for me in any sport. Fighting was very much like that too. Um, but it was always another person. So you're like, oh, they were better than me. Sure. They knocked me out or whatever. But when it comes to a yoke, you're like, it's a fucking thing that I train for every fucking day. I've done this a thousand times. Yeah. Why did it go this way this one time? And it's it's uh, it's a reality of strength sports because I would say the same thing in, in powerlifting or, you know, Olympic lifting or Highland Games. And you have this concept and you put in all this fucking work and the minutia and the things that, you know, obviously don't make the Instagram and you do it by yourself. The, the meals... The hydration. I'm talking about the motherfuckers that do this right. Now you fuckers out there cutting corners and you're bullshit. You know, yeah, I do this all the time, but you don't. Like, you know the truth when you go to yeah. bed at night. I'm talking about these motherfuckers out here putting in the fucking work. You're not going out with your friends. You're not seeing your family. And right now, with the way of the world, you can't even go out because if you have COVID, you can't fucking compete. So you stay at home. You eat three, four pounds of meat. You're wasting $100, $200 on food a week. You're doing this. You're doing everything to the extreme. And you get right there and hurt. You're like, why? Yeah. Because that's the nature of the beast. The scorpion and the frog. Yep. The exactly. scorpion looks at you and goes, I'm the scorpion, dog. What the fuck did you expect? <laughs> I'm a scorpion. And that's the hardest fucking part about strong man. And I would say it's probably the hardest part about being a fucking real athlete. I couldn't well, even said, imagine being an Olympian for fuck's sake. But Jesus. Those motherfuckers are the G's, bro. I always think about Yoel Romero, who is a big UFC fighter. Yeah. And he was on the Cuban uh, wrestling team. And they were like, oh, yeah, if you do good, we're going to feed you three times a day. Wow. And that's, <laughs> fuck. And that's what he fuck people up for. Yeah, yeah, dude. And he's just, he's he's destroying you on every level. So he can eat a third time. You're never going to fucking get that amount of... Like, you can't replicate that. No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't. It's fucked. But Jesus. Um, ooh. So, uh, I like this question only because Robert Oberst had mentioned uh, the deadlift a long time ago. Uh -huh. And I'm not saying that you'll say it's this. No. But he had mentioned that on Joe Rogan's podcast, he was like, oh, well, if there was... You know, if you're not you know, this high percentage of person in the world. Like, for example, in Strongman, you train the deadlift, and he basically said, like, if you you shouldn't be doing deadlift unless you're one of us, basically, or you're trying to obtain this. He sh you shouldn't be doing higher, uh, you know, heavy deadlifts. So what's one Strongman event you would get rid of and why? 
Oh. What's one strongman event I get? Tire flips. Hmm. I think tire flips are the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, first of all, the amount of bicep tears that happens from tire flips is astronomical. Next to axle, and then I'd put stones after. Um, I think there's a lot of other movements that we can use that is better. Uh, the reason why I wouldn't get rid of something like the deadlift is because typically... Um, it's it's not that movement's fault. It's the extremes of the sport being demanded on it or our shortcomings and biomechanical issues that makes the deadlift a problem. But the tire flip, when you pick it up, it, whether you're healthy or not, the variability of injury, whether you have perfect form or not, you're going to fucking get hurt. You're going to tear a bicep for sure. The deadlift, you can, you can outskill and you can train technique enough that you can really lessen the injury prevention. Sure. You can really lessen that concept. Things like the tire flip or those, like when you have to strain that bicep tendon, you can be the strongest fucking guy in the world with the best pick ever, and your bicep's going to go, whether you have tension on it or not. Um, so that's that's kind of where I think that's where I would get rid of it. Mm. Makes sense. And, and like with most things in Strongman, they're always looking to take something from you. That Viper's always looking to strike you, even when you haven't aggravated it. Um, there was a good question here on in terms of, and I think this applies to a lot of uh, conversations I've had with people who are looking to get into strength sports. And they perceive this marker of strength, like, oh, I don't want to compete until I have a 500-pound deadlift. And you're like, maybe you should just compete to see what it feels like. So uh, how do I overcome not shaming myself for not being able to lift as heavy as others? So that's a good question. First of all, the idea of shaming yourself and what you define as strength is never going to be the most positive thing ever. Um, because you're, even when you get what you think is strong, you're always going to have that idea that you could be stronger. You will never reach, not never, very few people will say one day, okay, I'm strong enough. That's a very hard thing to do <laughs> because the attitude that got you to be strong is also the same attitude that's going to wish you were stronger. Yep. So when I say things like, okay, I need a 600-pound deadlift uh, and then I'll, I'll feel strong. But when you get to 600, you're going to say, well, I, 700 is the real number. So when you identify that everyone on the planet at that level that is elite, it has the same mentality. There's no reason to be ashamed that you're not there yet. Right. The things that, it's, it's, it's okay to say things like, I'm ashamed or I don't want to do this or whatever. And um, I'm, I'm upset that I have a 225 deadlift. The things that you should quote unquote shame yourself for, or maybe just be more identified as what you need to improve on is your efforts. Not so much the actual weight on that barbell. Granted, Let's be real. You know, there's some deadlift numbers where you're like, come on, guy. Like, you need to get stronger. Yeah. But what I think should be more focused on is how long have you been putting in the work for this? How long have you been lifting correctly, practicing your technique, strengthening your muscles, eating correctly, sleeping, and learning this particular movement or movements that if you're notching off all of those check marks, there's nothing to be ashamed about. 
right? Because you're doing the work and it'll come in time. But if you are missing in those, that's what you need to harp on. And that's what you need to correct yourself on and get after rather than saying, okay, you know, I'm not a, I'm not doing four or five for 10 reps like all my other peers. And I go, probably because you're not doing 50% of the fucking work to get there. Right. And again, that's that tunnel vision. You know, you look at the barbell, you look at the work, you look at these these things on Instagram and these numbers and these visions and they're like, yeah, man, I, I want to get, um, I, I want to do this. And 600 is where I saw this guy do for three. I think that's strong. I go, but are you doing the work that demands 600 for one? You know, are you eating, sleeping, drinking this movement or this particular training pattern? That's what I think you should focus on. And honestly, if you're not, I don't know if the word should be ashamed, but you should definitely be hard on yourself. Right. Because I'm not here to talk pussy shit. Like, Hey man, if you're just doing what you can and you know, no, 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 no. It should come down to be doing what you should. Doing what, exactly. Doing what you fucking should. That's exactly what you need to focus on. And if you've only been doing that for three months, what the fuck do you expect? <laughs> Nothing is built that fast, man. You know, it takes years. It should take years. Yeah. And that's it. And I think it's just the whole concept of that. Oh, um, you know, nah, man, fuck that. Well, the internet internet misleading in that way where people give you this perception of quick development but really what they're showing you is a small window of what they've done over long periods of time right and i think we're deceived by that because we're just now seeing it it's like oh here's my 600 deadlift for three but you didn't see me miss 405 for five all the time for six months or a year or you didn't know that I got injured and my best deadlift was 275 for a year and a half as I recovered and I rebuilt, you know. And I think, you know, uh, something that you talk about a lot is rebuilding or we're building. We're building and we're rebuilding. You mentioned that a lot. When you repost your athletes, and I think that that's something to ask about is why do you think it's so important to emphasize we're building or we're rebuilding. Why do you feel like, hey, I got to tell this to people? Because, you know, I, I see like you look at a person and you're like, oh, man, like they look like they've, they've pulled 275 before. Why is it so important to be like, hey, we're rebuilding this? And uh, that's a good question. I think it all it all ties in together with the concept of. Well, why we did this podcast in the first place, but the theme, you know, rebuilding and restructuring is a step within. Because the hardest thing to tell somebody is that they have to take that step, quote unquote, back. Yeah. And that they have to go from 405 to 225 and do it right and do it better. Yep. But that, in essence, is the human endeavor in life. Nothing in life is linear. Nothing is consistently progressive. Nothing. Nothing from your your relationships with people to your relationship with yourself to your jobs to your income to your training to your patterns in life. Nothing is linear. You know, you can drink 10 beers one day and have the greatest time of your life and you can drink five big beers the next week and puke all over your fucking stomach. That's reality of life. Nothing is linear. Nothing is consistent in that. From the rules of nature to physics to science to emotional and psychological endeavors. 
when you tell somebody, when you talk to an athlete and you're telling them, hey, man, we need to rebuild, we need to restructure, it is a hard moment for the athlete, but it's a moment that should be hard. It should fucking hurt you to take that step with him. It should make you shudder. It should shake your foundation and your bones because you know why? There is no progress without fucking sacrifice. And the hardest thing to do is to sacrifice a version of yourself to kill it so that you can become that much stronger. It is harder to say goodbye to what you were to become something you need to fucking be. It is hard, man. It is fucking hard. And when you're a fucking athlete and you got to take time off because you did something stupid, it's hard. You know what's even harder, son? When you did everything right and you still got to take a step back. That's life. Because bad shit happens to good people all the time. You could eat right. You can train right. You can fucking be a good person and you get cancer and you're fucking dead. That's the hardest truth. You got to do with what you can. That's the reality of it. Bad shit happens to good people all the fucking time. And bad shit happens to bad people too. It's not like bad people thrive, dude. A lot of bad people die. It's not like they fucking make it. So what are you going to do as a fucking athlete? I'll tell you what. You're supposed to suffer. You're supposed to hurt. You're supposed to go home sometimes and wonder, why do I keep doing this? Why is this this way? Because that's what's going to push you. Because when you get up the next day and you still get after that barbell or that log lift or whatever the fuck you're lifting and you still do it, you should affirm that you really love something. That you didn't give up on it. That you, more importantly, didn't give up on yourself. So when you sit there and you tell an athlete, hey man, we got to take a couple steps back. And they take it hard. I hope they take it really hard. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that there's some people that are like, okay. 90% of people I've ever dealt with, when I talk to them like that, it hurts. And I want it to hurt. It's coaching the step within. Absolutely. It's giving them that guidance that, hey, man, nothing. You're right. Nothing is linear. And you're going to do this the rest of your fucking career in life. And that's exactly what it should be. And that's what it was for me. I mean... <laughs> I didn't even take a step within. I took a step like, hey, man, you might be done. That was recently? That was when I hurt my back in 2017. Yeah. I was like, you might be done, bro. Like, what? Done? Whatever. You know, long story short, as many of you guys know, and we came back, we got after it. Every year, every progress is going to feel that way. Yeah. You know, you don't do as good as you do you want to. It's like, oh, you missed, you know, you missed getting your fucking goal by one rep or whatever. You're always going to have that demon in your head. And I think a lot of us can relate to that concept of having to take a step back or take a parallel step is essentially the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. And And you need to see it that way. You need to have that perspective. You need to be smart that way. So it's about it's about building off of that step back, that step within. It's about creating a plan for what now. So in the past, you've mentioned 
um, something to the effect of like, yeah, you felt adversity. Yeah, you felt pain. Yes, you have been injured. Yes, your business has floundered. All of these things. But then you also said, what the fuck are you going to do about it? Now, how does that apply now when we've faced a 2020 unlike any other year we've ever faced? When we faced a 2021 where everything feels slower and unfocused and everything feels heavy. Every movement we make, every time we train, every day of life feels like muddling through the muck of life and training and we're just getting by we're taking those slow we're taking those steps but what do we do with them how do you make us do something with them yep okay yes i just had this conversation as before i left the gym why the fuck and the purpose we were supposed to do this main thing that we talking about this way the whole goddamn podcast of why we did what we did and why i'm starting this podcast in the first place this episode particularly Let's put this into the concept of just years or whatever. Yes. Last year forced many of us to become something more. It forced us to understand things about ourselves we didn't want to. So we're coming into this year, and many of us, I think, ill-prepared. This is my perspective. Last year left us with a position of having to grow as providers, as leaders, as a general human, as caregivers, as suddenly uh, disease control (laughs) and having a concept of science and what to eat. And now we have to worry about even going down the street and how to treat our family. It put us in a position that it spread most of us thin. We started to take on responsibilities and tasks that were further beyond our abilities and our bedside manners because many of us did not look within to fully understand if we were ready to take these on in the fucking first place. So now it's the new year. We come into this year with a plan, right? Because the first thing you want to do in 2021 is butt fuck 2020. You want to say, I'm ready. What do you do? You take on new goals. You're a new responsibility now. You made it last year, right? So you're supposed to be tough. You're supposed to be ready. But no one said you were. And no one, especially not even yourself, has said, I'm ready. Because you never asked the hard questions. Are you really ready? Mm-hmm. Did you v- develop long-term abilities? Did you v- develop a plan of attack? And what I've seen, and I'm telling you, I'm fucking telling you what I know from what I've seen. It's not that we're not ready for the battles outside is that we're not ready for the war within. I'm fucking telling you and I'm telling you from experience, son, from experience, from what I know from life that I deal with all the time. Sometimes, many times I bite off more than I can chew and I have to sit in the car sometimes and go, What did I just do? And I asked those questions of myself. But I've been okay to have a relationship with myself that is honest, that is true, even in my scumbaggery. And I see it. 
I've had these conversations recently. I'm looking at them. I'm like, how can you be ready for that responsibility if you don't like yourself that much? Oof. How can you be ready to push forward if you've never taken that step within to ask yourself questions like, why don't I enjoy this? Why, did I, why don't I like this person anymore? Why don't I want to be this way? Why do I think I'm fat? Why do I think I'm slow? Why do I think I'm not smart enough? Why am I not good enough? And these questions start to fade away because the more responsibilities you accept, the more they kind of drown away, right? Yeah. Something like staying busy to never think about yourself. And I'm not saying you have to go to some spiritual thing or take a bunch of fucking mushrooms like I've done recently and fucking see the spectrum of the goddamn world. <laughs> but what I'm telling you is to sit there and analyze and to understand that talking to yourself is no different than talking through a training session. What's the goal of the day with yourself? I want to get out of bed. That's okay. Good for you. How do you want to see this long term? I'd like to get out of bed and smile in the mirror for the next two months. Let's start practicing. Let's start training that habit. Yeah. Let's let's do it once a week. Let's uh let's get a haircut on Fridays and look good. Let's talk to somebody that makes you laugh. Let's help somebody that really needs help like you. It's no different than me telling you, John. I need you to deadlift on Tuesday. I need you to do hammy curls on Friday. Yeah. I need you to walk 6,000 steps a day. I need you to report every Sunday how you feel. But we can't have these conversations with ourselves. It's not that hard. What's hard is being consistently honest with ourselves. Because it's fucking scary. Yeah. So I've seen it. You know, I know it. You got, we got... You got bum rushed in 2020. To me, 2020 was not hard for me. It wasn't because that's how my mind works. Consistently in a hurricane, consistently pushed. Yes, new things to overcome, new things to challenge. Yeah, it did suck. And I, I feel for the people that were hurt by this. I do, man. But I'm in a position that it doesn't matter whether it's 2021, 2019, 18, 17, or 2025. I'm always that funnel point. I am the one catching that shit, and I, it's my purpose. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do for it? What are you going to do with yourself? And it, it's evident. People started this new year tired. Fucking tired, John. People are tired. Yeah. Boy, if you're tired, take on tasks that you can accomplish. Build yourself again. Take the step within, bro. Quote, unquote, take a step back. You're not ruled. January doesn't suddenly say, hey, bro, it's time to get your shit together. We say it as a motivating factor. But if you're not ready, prepare yourself. Talk to yourself. Analyze. Build habits that make sense. I've seen it. I've had this conversation already. Walking people off the ledge. It's fucking January. So to them... I have a whole year left of this? That's super poisonous. Yeah. I'm like, it's not that you have a year left. It's that you got here after 20-something years. It's okay. You've been putting in the work for 20-something years. Let's break this down. You're not 
starting the whole year in a shit show. You're just starting the month of January in the whole scheme of your goddamn life. Yeah. So take that step. Take the deload. Understand where you're going. It's okay, man. And I had this. That's the whole reason why this fucking podcast even came to be because it's been tough, man. You know, fuck. And I got COVID at the beginning of the month. No, no big deal, whatever. But there's always residual factors, illnesses, immunities, the the constant stress, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm not trying to just only a pat on the fucking back. But shit happens. Yep. So what do we do? We develop long-term habits that allow us to build like a shield so that we take this shit on head on and we take the hits and we move. I'm telling you right now, I swear. I know who I'm talking to. And you can feel it because when things, things like you're going to be all right, like you need to feel that in your fucking bones. What are some of the rituals and habits you should do? I said it. I said it. That's why I got the tattoo in my fucking throat. Pick your head up in the fucking mirror every day. Just stand there for a second and look at yourself in the fucking eyes. Proud though. Big shoulders, big neck. Big fucking stance, like a fucking animal. You ever seen a fucking animal cower before it kills something? Not in a fucking year. It strikes, it gets ready. It puts its shit together and it gets big. I fucking challenge you to do that in the mirror for one second and go, you know what? Not that bad. Yeah. Not that fucking bad, man. Because you get big, you feel tall, you feel ready. Yep. And those are things that we practice every day. It's going to be all right. I'm not a piece of shit. You got to say it. And I know it sounds silly, man, but to some of us listening to this, it's not that silly. Some of us have to say it through tears in our eyes and clenched teeth because we've been down these rabbit holes, right? Because there's no one else in the world. When somebody else says it to you, you're like, shut up. But when you say it, you're like, all right, shut up, but like say it one more time. <laughs> yep. Right? And... And I've seen it, and I'm glad you asked me that question. I'm glad we kind of got in that concept of the new year and the concepts and, and, and what last year left us as far as training and all these concerns. And I'm, I'm thinking, John, and I was thinking about when I talk to these people and I talk to my close friends and relationships, and as I'm talking to you, I'm also talking to myself, is what are we doing here to build long-term abilities? Dude, I am not really good at that. I'm super bad at building long-term habits. I'm bad. I don't even like it. In fact, I feel like a pussy when I think of long-term investments. I feel like a coward. I'm like, why do you want to live 10 years? <laughs> like, what, you know? Like, Amen, what, brother. Yeah, like, what, <laughs> what are you, a pussy? You know, well, so you're not going to drive fast? You're not going to take that extra drink? You're not going to take that fucking drug? Why, bro? What are you looking forward to? Pain? Disappointment? Failure? And then I'm like, the only reason why I'm here and I'm doing what I'm doing with other people is because I haven't quit. And the ability and the, and the mentality of not quitting is a long-term benefit. Mm -hmm. It's the Roth RRA of life, dog. Not quitting at certain things, obviously. And so, you know, we, we talked about the whole training session. There was some great fucking... Uh, training and, and perspectives and, and what we're talking about earlier and it just it it man I don't want to say the term grinds my gears because it just sounds so silly yeah Peter but, Griffin yeah right but it, it, it makes me rub my calluses together and it 
when I see things and I see potential and I see this kind of like you identify your pain into somebody and you see it, you know, you unfortunately and when you've been through shit, you just see when other people are going through shit. It, you smell it. <laughs> it's like the smell of gasoline. You know, it's the distinct smell of something. You feel it in your bones. You see it in their mannerisms and you see it in their eyes and i'm telling you guys from experience that when you feel this and it's manifesting into somebody else it's time to have that conversation it's time to to ask questions not so much only of themselves but of yourself will you be there for that person like you're going to be there for yourself you're starting something new you need to develop a new relationship with them and yourself. You need to ask yourself why it is what you're doing, but more importantly, and tell yourself that you deserve a chance to be something better. I understand that there's some of us that are pieces of shit. Trust me, I get it. But you need to tell yourself and ask yourself and question yourself and put yourself in responsible scenarios where you have to excel past your comfort zone because the comfort zone concept is the ability to sacrifice personal safety. There is no comfort for the person whose soul is on fire. Comfort is the forest fire. Comfort is the constant fight. Comfort, like the word peace, are perspectives. If you find comfort and peace in the daily battles, you will never be unsatisfied. That's where peace and comfort come from, from the fight, from the step within. You cannot suddenly, I said it, we've said it in so many episodes, this esoteric concept of a calm, you know, rainbows and butterflies and, and then the great weather. That's not realistic for a lot of us listening. We do sports and we lift heavy shit and we put ourselves in danger because that is peace. So why can we do it externally and can dig down internally and find the same concept? Your fucked up personality and your fucked up perspective and the mixture of that and those things around you is your peace. The management, not the moderation of your fire is what needs to be done. And you need it. It's, this isn't a fucking conversation, a one-way conversation. I'm sorry. Typically, I'm pretty open-ended, but no, you need it. Manage it. Don't burn it down. Don't stomp it down. Don't say, oh, no. Feel it. Fuel it. And put it into things and people that fucking matter. I'm going to explain this to you guys before I fucking go. I know that I have seen things in my mind that are so real and are so pure and so genuine that you can never tell me I didn't see what I saw. I'm not a spiritual person. I'm not a person that believes in ghosts. I don't believe in the afterlife. But there are things that I have manifested in my mind and in my soul and in my spirit that are so fucking real that it brings tears to my eyes when I know for a fact that some things will happen. I'm not saying that because I feel it that it will happen. 
I will say it because I feel it. I will work for it and make it happen. There's a fucking difference. I don't leave my destiny in the hands of some bullshit. I put it into my callous paws and I crush it. Every fucking day, you have to wake up and tell yourself one thing that you need to fucking get after. It's just one. And if for you, it's going downstairs and making breakfast because you don't even have the fucking strength to eat. Because why should you eat if you should be fucking dead? Eat the fucking breakfast. Because it's one thing. And I know it's true. And when you feel something in your bones, that is the will to live. It is the will to win. You have been gifted from when you were one cell to a fucking billion. Your natural given gift is to survive. And sometimes, my friends, it's by any means fucking necessary. This is MDLP. This is the Battle Axe Podcast. Saying don't be a pussy. Everything ends.